Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning, I'm... I'm where's the donor? Yes, I, I did get a text from someone saying, Rufus told us that we're allowed to eat a donut a day now. I thought, that doesn't sound like my wife. <laughs> um, so, are you guys ready to get in the word this morning? This, um, do you know there are three things um, that you would say that probably the church does not talk about, and I would say not talk about enough, and it's money, sex, and power. And the series that we finished a couple of weeks ago, which was the seven letters to the church in Revelation, um, church, there's no going back since that sermon was preached. Because we heard the things that Jesus loves in this house and the things that he detests. And it, 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 it's almost like we've been set in a way to say there's no going back. And this morning, maybe... We didn't talk about money because it didn't come up in the letters, but this message to me really is a continuation of what the Lord wants for us this morning. There's a, let me ask you guys a question. Do you trust the Lord with your finances? Do you trust the Lord with your finances? Do you know that the world has a plan for your money? whether you've ever thought about this before, but the world has a plan for your finances. All this week, there have been emails, meetings, Zoom calls, business plans, conversations that have happened all around this globe of how someone, somewhere, has a plan for your money. So much so that even as I'm preaching... You're, some of you may be getting notifications as I speak. By the time you leave this building, you'll have a notification reminding you that Subway is open across the road. You may even get a notification this week about something that you've said that your phone has heard. It sent the relative information to an advertising company. And just by chance, you're going to receive an advert or a something that will come up on your phone or on your TV that just so happens to be the very thing that you want to buy. It's not by chance because it's all set up. So if the world has a plan for your finances, do you think that God has one too? Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the word that you've given us. And Father, we ask you to use this word to prune us, challenge us, and move us in any area that you see fit, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that this is a house of generosity. And I thank you, Lord, that in this hour, in this day, Lord, there is nothing that can stop us from prospering because of you. I pray a blessing over this message, and Father, where there may be anxiety and fear over finances, we just speak the peace and the shalom of God, and that you would bring hope today for people that feel like they are trapped. Father, you're not afraid to talk about this subject, so nor should we. 
Amen. So if you guys have your Bibles, could you turn to Genesis 2? Um, the title of my message this morning is Bring It. You turn to your neighbor and say, Bring It. <laughs> so we're going to quickly just go through um, a conversation between Eve and the serpent just before she eats from the bitten fruit, just to give a little bit of context to where I'm going when I'm finishing the story of Cain and Abel. So Genesis 2, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we're going to go straight to Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and, it, and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, where I want to go this morning with this specific beginning to the word of God is I want to talk about the generosity of God. And I want to say that what we've just heard here is that the serpent got to Adam and Eve. It was not making them believe that God was bad. It was that he got to Eve to make her see that God was not generous. Eve said, I can, we can eat from any tree. But the serpent said, but you can't eat from that one. And so if God is not a generous God, he's not generous enough to give you every tree, then he's withholding from you. He's giving you something that you deserve. And so he is withholding from you. So I want to propose that this part of scripture that I've read, through the lens of generosity, there was a, there was a seed that was sown right there that the Lord is withholding from you. And Eve believed the serpent. My point for this reading, this, this passage from Genesis 2, guys, was the serpent Satan managed to sow a seed into Eve for Eve to believe that God secretly was withholding something from her. That God was holding something back from you, Eve. This is why you need to eat. And so Eve moved in the behavior of, I'll take it from here, God, leave it up to me. And she ate from the food. 
And that was sown into, and as you know, we read through the whole story, the fall of man up to now. That action based out of a heart response that I know better than, better than you, God, is still in action today. We take so often and yet give so not freely. Because if we believe that God is not generous to us, then why would we give? Because we believe if we give, we won't get anything back. We may have never verbalized it. We may not have said it. But there is a sense maybe deep within our subconscious. If I, oh, if I give, then I don't actually believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. We may never say it, but it may be there. We become like the Dead Sea. Everything falls in, but nothing falls out. So Gen 2 starts with Adam and Eve taking something that they thought belonged to them. And then we see then, in Genesis 4, their first two sons, human sons, sons that have been born out of Eve's womb, we see the first story, the first fault of man. And let me remind you, this is the first time in the Bible where the word sin is mentioned. It wasn't mentioned with Adam and Eve. It's mentioned when you read Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel. And this story is about money. Now, it doesn't say money, but this is about what the offerings that they were giving before the Lord. Genesis 4, let me read it to you. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife. See, we do talk about sex in this house. Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. And while Cain cultivated the ground, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. Do you see that this is a first mentioned principle? It is sin is mentioned for the first time. And it is to do with giving a gift that is right before the Lord. Greed hides in our lives, crouching, just like the verse that we've just read, crouching at your door. It's silent and you don't know it's there, but it touches everything that we do if we don't become its master. Because if not, it will master us. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6 that you cannot serve two masters. Do you know it's also that the first sin in Genesis was not sex, it was not murder. Again, it was about money. It was about giving something that costs you. This is so important. There's principles out of this. Parents, what we teach our kids matters. What we give them matters. You know the verse of train a child in the way that he or she should go. What we are teaching our kids matters. Do you also think, in gen- interesting in this, Genesis 2 and 3, it started with thieves. And Jesus died between two thieves. Jesus dying between two thieves, breaking this cycle. I am going to die between these two people to break the curse. You see, giving is not about what you see in your hand. Giving comes from the heart. It is a heart issue this morning. There's no such thing as a big tithe or a little tithe. It's the tithe. It is a heart issue between you and the Lord. I've got four um, just biblical principles that I want to go through this morning, and then we're going to, I'm going to say a little bit more, and then we're going to pray. And we're going to commit this area of our lives to the Lord again. So my first point is, tithing is not just a percentage, it's an order. So the word tithe comes from the 10%, that is the meaning, and we can get obsessed with the word that we can often give the 10% at any time throughout the month or the year and think we've tithed because we've given 10%. I want to propose to you that there is actually a biblical order in this that we're asked to follow. It's the first. Can everyone say first? So this is what I have done. This is me now just stepping out of this message and explaining why I'm not only excited to preach this message, but I'm preaching it from my own experience. My first job was a paper round walking up and down Wellsway Hill on a Sunday. It was it, only one day a week. And I, 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 I thought, man, I need a HR, I just, HR manager, this is too difficult. And I remember the first day I came back with £6.50. This was over 20 years ago, so that's like £100 now. (laughs) But I remember taking that £6.50 and my dad reminding me not only what tithing means, but also the principle of first fruits, of giving God your first fruits. So I took that £6.50 came into here and painfully gave it as a tithe my first Sunday. Then, the week after, then learning maths and making a 10%, walking down to church every Sunday and giving 10% of what I earn. And then I spent the rest of it on a sandwich at M&S. It is the first, it's not to be the last. Don't worry if it's going. So to this day, 
when Ruth and I get paid, the very first thing that goes out of our account is the tithe because it's not ours. It's not mine. It's like I am holding something that has got nothing to do with me. And I tell you why. Do you think that God likes being second in our finances? It's, it, the tithe is an order. It's not just a when we get to it. It's an actual principle. It's the first thing that leaves because it's not mine. You know, the, there's only two words connected to the actual word, the tithe, and there's only two ways that it actually can be applied. You either bring the tithe or you steal the tithe. Hence why my message this morning is bring it, coming out of Malachi 3, which Malachi is writing to the body of Christ, and God says, you've been stealing from me. God saying to his body, you've been stealing from me. But if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, watch what I'm going to do for you. And I'll read it a little bit later. But the tithe can't be saved. The tithe can't be traded. It can either, either, the trade can either be brought or it can be stolen. Now I know, because I've had the same conversation within my own heart, I even remember the, the challenges I had even with a £6.50 wage once a week. I was like, what if, I'll, do you know what, I'll tithe when I make more money because it will be easier. And let me say to you, it gets harder. And I'm encouraging anyone in here that thinks like that, the Lord will bless you. But it is harder the longer you walk in obedience now because you might be saying, I can't afford to tithe. My challenge to us this morning is we can't afford not to. And if you honor him, he will honor you. And so if there is a thought going, well, a tithe, I'm thinking I need to tithe big, it's not about the amount. It's about the principle. Maria read it this morning, talking about Jesus and the widow's might, the sound that Jesus heard. My second point is, tithing is giving my best, which stretches my faith for the rest. Tithing is giving my best, which stretches my faith for the rest. So I've said that there is an order. It's the first thing. And what we may think also is go, do you know what? I, need, I, I agree I need to give God, but I need to pay my mortgage, my bills, what my kids want, what I need, my shoes, my watch, all these things that come into our mind that share that we'll give it after we've got those things. And what we're doing is we're giving God our leftovers. You know what leftovers start to smell like in the fridge after four days? If we give God our best and we give him our first, what we're actually doing and what we're putting ourselves in a position for is now we are stretching our faith to believe for everything else. And when we move in obedience like this, do you know what else it gives us an opportunity for, church? I love this word. Budgeting. 
You know, giving God our leftovers requires no faith. It doesn't stretch us. It's basically whatever's left at the end of the month, God, here you go. It positions our heart to focus on him, not the amount that you see on your bank account. It, it positions us to humble ourselves in a position saying, God, I need you to do something. I need you to do this miracle because I don't know how these numbers are going to change. You know, I, I, there may be people here saying, Jonathan, I am in so much debt. Mathematically, it's foolishness if I start to tithe. I want to just say, not only in faith, but I can tell you the testimonies that are inside this room will change the way that you are looking at your debt. The enemy will use anything to move you into shame, cripple you, and hold you down. But the people of God have a better way. And that if you are willing to focus this area with the Lord and give him your best, watch what he does. Because it's not a number. It's a matter of the heart. My other point is tithing is where I start. It's not where I finish. The tithe, it being the first church, this is not the goal. This is actually just the foundation. This is just the beginning. The goal for all of us is to step into becoming a giver. Not a tither, a giver. The 10%, the tithe, well, that's not ours. That's his. The rest, then we get to stretch our faith and look to the left and right whether it even to be anything that you give on top of your tithe is called an offering. You have the tithe and then you have the offering. So the buckets and the message that we give on a Sunday morning, we, we offer the buckets to you to give an offering to the Lord. We don't have to do it. You know what? During COVID, we had to pull it back, obviously, for obvious reasons. One, we weren't meeting, but when we were... There were just a number of reasons why people weren't carrying cash anymore, and it just wasn't the right thing to do. And then a year or so ago, the Lord told me, not, why are you not doing the offering buckets anymore? It was more coming from a place of, why are you not giving my church the opportunity to, offer, to do the offering? It's not about the number, and it's not about law. It's not about, well, we just have to do it. We get to do it. But I felt the burden of the Lord of going, if we withhold the opportunity for an offering, then where else are you going to do it? I've heard it said that tithing is Old Testament. We're now in the New Testament. Well, let me just share something with you. There was a study that was done um, by an American university. I cannot remember the, the university, but they worked it out that if you, were in, if you were growing up, say, during the book of Acts, a New Testament believer, based on the principles that they would have followed through from the Torah, it wasn't 10% that they were giving, it was over 30 because, for example, that one of the laws was, was a farmer was only allowed to plow their field once. Everything else was left for the widows and the orphans and the community that needed it. 
So my challenge to that is you hear that, hey, we're in a new covenant, we don't need to give. Well, let me just remind you that what happened in the book of Acts, and we've read this, it would have gone like this. Hey guys, we are a bit low this month, so is anyone here able to sell their house? And looking at the number, it probably is a three or four bedroom house. So who's selling the house this week? And we read that they did that. So I read the New Testament like you do, thinking, actually, the tithe is just the beginning. But there is a level of generosity that I think all of us can go, we're not there. Everything is his. Forget about the tenth. A hundred percent of it is his. Everything is his. Every perfect and good gift comes from him. But remember what I said to you at the beginning. If we start to subtly pick up this idea that God is not generous and he's withholding from you, it creeps in when, when it's time to give offerings. But, uh, well, I don't know about that. I'm not so sure about that. This is a heart issue, guys, that I'm, I feel burdened to go after. You know, the, you know, the greatest challenge of a message like this is that actually the goal here as a principle in this house is what would this house look like if every person that called this house home that came, ate from the table, everybody brought their tithe. What would that do to this house? The challenge with a message like this is actually the ones that are walking this out, that are not only faithful in their tithing, but also offerings, is no doubt they're probably going to be more generous after this message. Because they are living, they're walking it out. My purpose of this message is to talk to the people that have never done this and to say, you will be blessed by what God can do. The goal is to be a giver. The goal is to be generous. You know, one of the things, well, how do I know if I'm being generous? It hurts when you give. You see, Cain gave some of his fruits. Both of them gave. Cain and Abel both gave but only one gave sacrificially. My fourth point is this. Tithing in the Old Testament was about avoiding a curse. Tithing in the New Testament is about an invitation to a blessing. This is an invitation. They, Israel tithed, tithed. I'll read it, Malachi 3. God said into the people through Malachi, you are under a curse because you're stealing from me. We are now in a better covenant. Amen. You see, Jesus hung on a tree for us to take that curse off us. We are not under that curse. So now we're not bringing our tithes to avoid something. We're bringing it because we're being invited into something. It's an invitation this morning. 
You see, it's possible to give to God with your hand, but not your heart. It's possible. It's possible even with bringing the tithe to the storehouse, it could just, you know, you could maybe even have it set up on your bank so as soon as the money comes in, it goes out straight away, but you don't see it or touch it. I want to just put a proposal out to anyone here today that if you've been doing that for a while, stop doing it electronically and one month, take it out physically and drop it in one of the the tithing buckets that's at the back there. And physically hear and feel the drop of the weight of what you're giving. God is not asking you to give out of your hand because he needs it. He's wanting you to give from, his, from your heart because that's where he leads us. That's what he wants to do with us this morning. This is a heart issue. So much of the series that we went through for the book of Revelation, guys, each letter, Jesus was cutting straight to the heart of issues that were going on in that day and saying, if you follow me, if you repent, if you change your mind, and if you do what I say, there is a promise for you that will last eternity, for all of eternity. Let me show you the promise. And this promise was given in the Old Testament. Malachi 3 He asked this question, should people cheat God? And then it says, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did you ever cheat? When did we ever cheat you? He said, God says, you have cheated me with the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the tests. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord's heaven's armies. I want you to think about that. This is pre, this is old covenant. God's promises to his people. If you honor me in that, try me, test me, and look what I'm going to do for you. If that is the heart of the Father of generosity then, what kind of generosity are we living in right now? Church, we are watching in our very eyes, the collapse of a financial government system worldwide. We're watching it happen. We have been invited to something that, as we said, as we sang earlier, you reign above it all. He is over this. And if there is any part of your life that is believing the same lie that the serpent said to Eve, that if you are, don't be too generous because the Lord is withholding from you. 
Let me remind you, Psalm 23, it's not just a nice little poem that you walk past on your fridge. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Every need that you have, every, anything that you are in financial need for, he knows. We have been given an invitation into a system that looks foolish to the world, but is a bright light in this room. And it's not just about you. Isaiah, the, Isaiah 2, I believe it's Isaiah 2. The world will run to your light. They will run to the chief mountain, which is his church, his people. And they will scream, teach us your ways. If we are in the midst of watching systems collapse, where are they going to turn to for hope? Where are they going to turn to, to the light that is going to lift, that God says he will rebuke the devourer? It is up to us to show the world that there is not only a God that loves you, but he has a plan for your finances. We talk about, I talked earlier about the tithe being just the first. This is just the foundation teaching. I remember Tony, Tony Sheard at Kickstart a few weeks ago did this thing that was so powerful. It talks about the importance of foundations. Just from where you're sat, what do you think? Can you just bang the floor for, you, for me? Just this, right? Hopefully none of that moved. But you, we are sat on a structure that is foundationally secure. And a message of tithing is part of the foundation of this very house. But it's not, this is not the end goal. This is just the beginning for us. You know, there are three areas that we're to be generous to our, in our life. To God, to others, and to your children. And when I say children, I don't just mean your earthly, physical children. I'm talking about a legacy of that your life, from beginning to end, leaves a legacy of your generosity. Proverbs says, a wise man gives money to his children's children. And I want to I show you a photograph um, that I'm going to pull up. Could you guys at the back just dim the lights so just so the, the, the um, vibrancy of the photo can come up? I've shown it before. It was actually probably my first message that I actually preached here. But this is a photo of the church here in the early 90s. Now, some of you who are in this photo are here today. Can you see yourself, Morris? I want you to just think about this. The decisions and the generosity and the obedience that was happening 30 years ago is why we're here today. The, 
the testimony and the principle of the tithe, bringing it to the storehouse, it's not for you. It's for a generation that you'll never see. And the stories have been told, but the people in that picture, when the story of a community that started in a university and there were six or seven in a house and they were baptizing people in a bathtub and the the seed and the call of God grew that house from a small group of people, which we heard Paul Wakeley say, even in those days, that house, the words spoken over those people is that this would be an apostolic house, an Antioch, where people would come and they would be sent. And it's happening today. So the promises that were said over 50 years ago, you are a part of that story right now. That's why you're here. There's a number of churches in this city that you could walk into, but God has led you here for a reason. But there were people in that photo that remortgaged their house, sold their house, gave cars away in their generosity to purchase this very building that we have the privilege of meeting in. And listen, buildings facilitate the vision. They're not the vision. But what we've been given here, Life Church Bath, is for the future for us to be a light in the center of this city so that the city knows that God is not only here, Jesus is alive today. That the vision of a house like this, of health, healthy people finding God, encountering him, getting healed, trained and sent. You look at the children that are coming through the ranks. I am... I'm just a part of this story that just so happened to be a part of this house when I was two years old. And it is a privilege to give back to the church that gave in to me and inputted into me. How unique for us is that we have a building like this, which prophetically declares, you can turn the lights on now, guys, above me, the lion and the bear, the flourishing of Bath. We have the privilege of using this building on a Sunday morning where we can gather from all over, lift up the name of Jesus, encourage each other, challenge each other, fellowship, equipping of the saints. And then on a Wednesday night, this place is packed, laughing, Because there's a comedian saying some funny things. And then on a Friday night, there's dancing in here, some soul music. But they're coming in here where they don't know, but their spirits do, that this is a house of God. That they're here to encounter the Holy Spirit regardless of what they're listening to. I hear testimonies and stories of You call them roadies, the people that work in all the shows that travel all around the globe, the UK and the world. There's something different about this place. There's something different about the people that serve here. We've been given something that if we are are wise, we can use it for the betterment and the expansion of the kingdom of God in this city. I don't know if you know this, but a few days ago, the... um, the Forum Limited, the guys that run the shows, led by Bryn. Bryn, we love you. 
amazing work that you do. Just, just this week, the Forum won a Bath Life Award for the whole city of tourism and leisure. And that is based from the hard work of that team. But church, let me tell you, that is just a part and a theme that God is doing through us where he is giving us influence into the city. I have been approached a few times at school dropping the kids off going, I had no idea that the building I went to see my favorite band growing up is a church. Why would you do that? Because we want to be a blessing to this city. We saw two weeks ago, we had a, a day of celebrating the cultures and the nations that are in this house. There are, I mean, there was over 30 nations represented. Wasn't that amazing? But how unique for a church our size to have that many nations. Can you see the thread of the call of God that's on this house to go to the nations is alive and present this morning? I'm just going to end, end with a testimony real quick. Um, Will, is Will Moore here? This message that I've been wanting to preach has been in the diary for about four months and, and just a number of things happened over the last couple of weeks and then Will just randomly just shares this testimony at um, a trustees meeting that we were at on Tuesday and I would love it just for you to hear um, not only the timing of God but actually hear someone from this house that is walking out the bring it message that I've just preached. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, so um, I'm sure actually lots of you here, or I've heard lots of you here have got similar testimonies, so it's probably very small compared to what you guys know already, but um, I, um, I started a business a week before lockdown, um, it's called Kingsgate, and it's a consultancy business, and um, I started it in March 2020, a week later we all went into lockdown, and I thought, this is quite possibly the worst time ever to start a business. And I, I, could, I imagine like, um, uh, like the Prime Minister sort of getting his weekly briefing, being like, oh, it's not all bad. There's one guy in Bath that's uh, decided to open a business. Um, so that was me. And um, anyway, I, I managed to get one piece of work in, which wasn't a very big f fee at all. Um, and uh, I did the project, and I got the invoice in around the end of March. And, uh, and when I got it, I thought, um, how am I going to survive off this? But anyway, I was walking with John, and we were walking um, on our um, yeah, two tunnels kind of exercise for the day, socially distanced walk. And I was saying to John about this amount coming in, and he, he shared his sort of paper round te testimony <laughs> and said, um, you know, who's, who's going to be lord of the business? And uh, do you feel like um, prompted by the Holy Spirit to give uh, as a first fruit everything that came in and quite honestly when he said that I felt like I wanted to sort of leave him in the tunnels <laughs> and like run out there and um, so I wrestled with it for a bit but I, I took it to the Lord so I went back and I said Lord you know I've got this amount that's come in what do you want me to do I, I do really want you to be Lord of this business I'm starting and Lord of every part of my life and I felt him say to me let's 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 do it let's give 
Um, so I gave, I gave all of it out, and um, it, was, it was honestly, I got more joy in giving than I did in receiving. And um, anyway, cut a long story short, probably three or four months after that, I ended up getting a, a project, winning a piece of work, and the amount that came in was exactly 10 times what I gave. Um, and it just, you know, it, it so encouraged me that, uh, you know, that it, it was in relationship with the Lord. And so I just, I just wanted to sort of share that today that, that the, um, you know, we, it, it's, it's about our heart. Um, I remember hearing somebody once saying that um, the Knights of the Templar back in the day used to be baptized with their sword out of the water because they were saying, Lord, you can have my life, but you can't have, you know, what I'm going to do with this weapon. And, you know, sometimes today we have that with our wallets. You know, Lord, <laughs> you can have my heart, but you can't have everything. You can't have my finance. And don't we want to be a people that say to the Lord, you can have everything because of how good he is and how we can trust him with, with every part of, you know, of our lives. And I want to be that person. And I think all of us want to be that person. Lord, we want to trust you with everything we have because you're good. All right, let's stand. Can we stand? I, I, actually, I felt prompted before, the mess, before speaking that I wanted to do this, and you confirmed it. I'm going to, if you can, I'm just going to hold my wallet up to the Lord. It's just a, you can do that yourself or hold some Bitcoin if you've got it in your pocket. Um, <laughs> or if, if you don't have your wallet, in faith, just hold your hand up. Father, we acknowledge that you are the Lord of all, and we give you this part of our lives not out of duty or out of law, but because of utter delight and obedience, knowing because what we give you, you will do something better with it. Father, you are the Lord of our wallets, our finances, our legacy. Father, we give this to you. We give it in our hearts as well. Father, we repent of any stinking thinking that we may be thinking, that where we might think that we can't trust you with our finances. Father, we repent if we've withheld or stolen anything from you. And Father, we ask you to give us wisdom. And Lord, for us to be a blessing not only to ourselves, but to others, to the people that are sat left and right on our streets. Father, may this house be, no, be known for its generosity. It already is, Lord. But Father, just as we say in this message that we would bring it, Father, would you, would you help us bring our hearts to our giving? In the name of Jesus, amen. Yeah. yeah, Father, we just we thank you that you're so good, that we're not giving to somebody that looks cruelly upon us, but we're giving to our, our loving Heavenly Father. And we want to say, Father, that you're Lord of every part, that you're Lord of our home, our family, that you're Lord of our dreams, you're Lord of our hopes. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for your provision for us. Thank you, Father. Uh, it, it's, I'm just reminded of the verse that, um, that you love a cheerful giver, that we're not to give under compulsion. We're not to give because of what our neighbor is giving on the left or right. We're not to give out of um, anything other than what our heart is wanting to do before you. And Lord, we want to, to walk with you in this area. We want to go from strength to strength, Lord, and from glory to glory. We want to be able to trust you, Lord, with all of our heart. And love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. 
And Father, I just pray for us, Lord, where we've had days where we haven't been able to give or, or we feel that we don't have enough or an amount to give that honors you, Lord. We, we just pray, Father God, that you would come and touch our hearts again, that you would take away any shame of the past. And Father, we'd have a new start and a new day of giving to you out of worship, uh, giving to you because we love you. Amen.